Hello, livestock friends, and welcome to this edition of Before the Bid. This is a podcast dedicated to the livestock sales industry where we go behind the scenes of the operation and speak straight to the sellers. We discuss topics about the important aspects of their operation, location, the people behind the prep work, and talk about some of the animals that will be offered to you, the prospective buyers. Hopefully, you've got your sale catalog close by. You might have to go look through that pile on your desk. But if not, then you're probably like me and driving down the road or busy with chores around the farm. And that's okay, too. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy this segment of Before the Bid. I'm your host, Andy Howell. Welcome, Livestock Friends, to this special edition of Before the Bid. And on this Before the Bid, we're not talking about a livestock sale. We're talking about a different kind of a bid. And we are talking about a bid for a seat on the American Angus Board of Directors. The uh, American Angus will hold their national meeting on November 8th and 9th in Kansas City. And this is the 137th annual meeting. And on this edition of Before the Bid, we have a special guest, very special to me, and a guy that is going for one of those seats on the American Angus Board of Directors. And so uh, on this edition, we are going to talk to my dad, Dr. Phil Howe, and we're going to talk about some of those things uh, in his history and some of his past activity in the Angus Association and being a past board director. So again, very special addition to me, and uh, I want to welcome my dad to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. I've listened to you a lot. We've had the opportunity to broadcast together before with Beef Congress and National Junior Angus shows and Walton Webcasting has been very kind to us. So it's uh, fun to be on here, but a little bit different program. Even done a basketball game uh, or two together. Two basketball games. You were you were waving me to keep talking during the foul shooting, and I thought you were waving me to hurry up. So that sounded a little clumsy, but we figured it out after a bit. I've enjoyed it and enjoyed it all and really just couldn't wait to get you here on the podcast uh, for some reason or another. And, and I guess we don't have a sale coming up or anything like that, but uh, we won't <laughs> ask about lot seven, but I guess we won't. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't talk a lot, lot two or three or seven, uh, but, but we'll talk about a, a different kind of uh, bid and in a different kind of uh, voting for this. And, and so uh, just excited to, to hear what uh, you can bring to the breeders and to the association. And Dad, like I always do, as you've heard, I'd like to start out with a little bit of history and and, uh, get people to know where you came from and what got you into uh, what you're doing and and why you might want to be a a board member and we'll talk about some of those things later but but tell us a a little of the history about how did you even get into the cattle well both both my grandparents milk cows Uh, my mother's family had Holsteins she used to get up at three o'clock in the morning to go to Muncie to deliver milk and they'd stop and eat on the way back and and Grandpa Wright would drop her off at school. So cows are kind of in her blood on that side. And uh, that family went ahead and milked anywhere from 80 to 150 cows up until the last 18 months. And then they got out of the dairy business. And my dad's side of the family, why he, he milked red poles by hand. And so uh, Bethany Acres Lou, and why can you remember registration names from 60 years ago, I don't know, but evidently I can. But uh, so we grew up with cattle. When my folks married, why they milked, they had some red pole cattle and then they were on a on a tenant farm owned by a, a businessman in Muncie and they milked cows on shares together. And we had, 
had red poles and then uh, we got some Holsteins from from Grandpa Ride and, and went on from there. And then in about 1960, the State Board of Health determined that to sell grade A milk, you'd have to go to bulk tanks rather than milk cans. So a lot of people, including my, my father and soon would-be father-in-law, 20 years down the road, why they got out of the milking business and or dairy business and got into beef cattle. My brother wanted to show Angus heifer, so we went to Don Watkins, I want to say in 58, bought a cow, and then a year later we went back, and I bought one, and my brother bought another one. And then the fellow where we, where we were farming, why we went to a farm and bought three cows and an Angus bull, and, and we were on our way. I think that first heifer I, I purchased was in 1961, so, so that would make me 59 years with Angus cattle. Right, and and so like a lot of them, a lot of other guests on the podcast, it was it was a little bit of a a 4-H project gone rogue, right? Yeah, yes, that's exactly right. We started out and had had a heifer, and then she had a calf, and then we we bought another heifer, and she had a calf, and away we go. And uh, just about like like you, we started out with a couple and buy one here and buy one there and raise one and, and go on from there. So it was a overgrown 4-H project, but there's an awful lot of beef herds in Indiana that are, come from that very type of start. And so you just took that on and, and got interested more with the animals and, and have have a lot more history uh, with that, that that you could tell us about. Yeah, well, we grew up with, we had hogs and sheep and, and cattle. And uh, I tell people about, had bushel baskets with, with baby pigs over the heat registers. Uh, back in those days, and grew up that way. You'd feed baby pigs with a bottle and baby lambs with a bottle, and we'd have a calf in the basement occasionally when it was too cold. So uh, that's just how we grew up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, kept going, and and uh, then in 4-H showed showed beef cattle, and thought I wanted to grow up to to be a herdsman and show cattle all my life. And, uh, Got a chance to go to Purdue, and and my brother said, well, if you think at all about vet school, I take uh, take the three requirements, the chemistry and English and math for for veterinary school, and if you don't make the grades, why most of those credits would transfer down to animal science uh, major. But if you start out in animal science and and decide that you can, your grades show that you can make it, why they wouldn't transfer up to the pre-vet requirements. So started out in pre-vet and you know sink or swim and evidently i was able to swim so i was able to get into veterinary school and went on from there and uh, thought if you're going to work on cows why where do you go so i went to wisconsin and did dairy work for three years and and it was great and we learned a lot and then had a chance then came back to silver lake indiana angus connections again first miss american angus was Sharon Harold, she and I had been officers on the Indiana Junior Angus Board in, what, 1969. Well, she was married to the fellow that was um, running the practice at Silver Lake. So she was my reference because they knew me, but not very well from school. But Sharon said he'd probably be all right. So we spent three years there and then had a chance to buy a practice within 35 miles of both my parents and my in-laws back here at Winchester. So we came back here in 1979, and it's been it's been here ever since. 
when I got here, it was 85% large and 15% small. And now it's about 92% small and 8% large. Different, different times in Indiana, different economies. The small dairies are gone. A lot of the World War II and Korean War veterans that came home and farmed and farmed with livestock, why they're no longer active in, in farming. Many of them have passed on. And so the, the community has changed and changed drastically. We've still got cows, and there are a handful of people that do, but surely not the numbers that, that used to. So it's, uh, it's become a different world, but I can still come home and work on cows, even if the phone doesn't tell me I need to go over to wherever and pull a calf or breed a cow or, or uh, run 60 calves through the chute. We used to have uh, a few people that would feed anywhere from 100 to 300 head of steers in the fall and uh, they're all gone but one now in this area and then cattle processing has changed drastically you don't process them once you hit the feed yard you process them before they're shipped so what what few feedlots we have why those cattle are processed before they get here so life has changed in 46 years of veterinary practice well we've got a, a great foundation there from uh, what would be my grandma and grandpa and and your mom and dad and um, I guess my great grandma and grandpa just started everybody into the the livestock end and in the cattle end and I give everybody a chance to to introduce family that that are involved in the operation now and and have been involved with the operation so I want to give you the chance to do that as well. Well, great part of what what I've accomplished has been due to to my wife Judy dotting the I's and crossing the T's in, in family and, and the practice and helping with the cattle. We've been married 47 years and at 50 used to see Mike forever and now why it's just kind of around the corner. So uh, I look forward to that. First daughter was Emily. We uh, moved to the country. What would that have been 82? So she would have been, she would have been seven. Showed cattle in 4-H to start with. We showed, uh, got a picture, as you said, of those those videotape of you and Emily showing Simmentals and standing last in all three classes here at the Winchester <laughs> Open Show. I remember those days. And then uh, I think we purchased our first Angus show heifer from Haggard's here at, at LaSantville that I'd grown up with. And then after that, we started showing our own. Emily was in, in 4-H, 10-year 4-H career, county, county 4-H queen. Started out in physical therapy and ended up at Purdue in medical technology. And then you've come along and, and uh, you you showed a lot of cattle and ate and slept it. And we uh, went to a lot of crossroads open shows. We talked with kids about going to Tipton and sleeping in the trailer and rained either whichever way I turned, either in my foot wet or my head wet. But uh, you remembered it as a fun time. I think we were. We were competitive, but we didn't win. I remember that. I remember that show. We, uh, yeah, I don't remember why we decided to sleep in the trailer, but we did. And and man, it rained and poured, and and uh, you it was dripping on both of our heads through the top of that little bumper hitch trailer that we pulled. Making memories, as they say. And I guess sometimes the cattle are excused for taking time and going to do those things. So I'm thankful for that. Then you went on and did a lot of 4-H winning and 4-H king and round robin showmanship winner. A lot of little 4-H shows and open shows. 
and uh, had a lot of fun. Then Brian came along, and by that time, we'd begin to get the cattle where they were competitive. And we had a state fair champion heifer with a mane. We took those two heifers to Denver with the help of a neighboring friend. Well, you had champion cow-calf at state preview show, state Angus preview show. Mm-hmm. He had he had the champion bull to state Angus preview show. And, uh, well, now here we turned around how many years between that bull and this year when Allie had champion bull at the Indiana State pre- Angus preview show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian won his gold, silver, and bronze awards. We started uh, going to national junior shows towards the end of his 4-H career. So we started in 98 here at Indianapolis. Then we went to several shows. We could, stood two, three, four, and seven at, at Des Moines, out of a cows out of a 30 cow herd at Denver, while we had a third and a fifth um, in competitive classes. And he was a finalist in the National Junior Showmanship Show. He won showmanship at the Eastern Re- at at the Eastern Regional Lebanon, Ohio. Mm-hmm. He also won showmanship at the Atlantic National. Um, I missed both of those. I was home here working on on critters at the veterinary clinic. So one of those things that you kick yourself for. But he he went ahead and won those and had had success. You had had the champion Supreme Heifer down at uh, Brownstown at the Southern Indiana Angus Show. Mm-hmm. Then Allie came along and and uh, she she started at four, I think, showing cattle in the ring. Right. For those that may not know, Allie is is my daughter. Right. She eats and sleeps cows, and uh, she was in the ring probably at four and continues to show. She's been at what four national junior shows. She had the had the champion or the supreme Angus female at. Uh, the last Brownstown show, Southern Indiana Angus show. We didn't have one this year, but she won it mm-hmm. two years ago. Humbling experience. We were at Grand Island. It was her first national junior show. First class she was ever in in a national show. And here she had to be the first one into the ring. <laughs> Instead of being some eight-year-old uh, scared scared little girl, she said, all right, where do I start? Let's go. And... Uh, it would have intimidated me, and she never batted an eye. So uh, she has a lot of show ring experience and a lot of show ring presence. And the old joke about if you do it well, why well, you can have three years of experience before you're old enough for 4-H. And um, she truly lived that. That's uh, family and involvement. Judy's been president of the Indiana Angus Auxiliary. You've been uh, president of the Southern Indiana Angus Association. Mm-hmm. Brian was on the National Junior Angus Board. He won uh, the gold or the bronze, silver, and gold awards from the National Junior Angus Association. And he's still involved in in teaching young people as an educator um, at Tipton County here in Indiana. And you're still dealing with young people and being an agricultural science teacher at at Crawford County. Right. So... uh, We've we've been in the show ring pretty hard and been involved with young people and young people and cattle for decades. So we kind of live and sleep and breathe cattle. Allie just turned 14, and she is involved heavily in how cattle company South um, 
showing and fitting, taking care of cows and taking care of baby calves. And also in the, in the crew at, at How, How Cattle Company South is Brandy Saunders. That uh, appreciates the cattle business a lot. She's moving from a, a show pig background to a registered Angus operation. But she's been invaluable in, in uh, helping with the cattle, helping with the baby calves, getting things ready to show and being involved in that and then even in editing these before the bid broadcast. So um, she's a big part of the, the team and the talents that, that make this all happen. Right, jumped in full force and she puts up with a lot of things. <laughs> yes, we, we uh, hear a hard time about being a Buckeye, but uh, she's still she's still pretty special and, and uh, Ohio's all right. We just don't want to let them know that. Right. No, we just don't want to let them know that we know that. Right. So. She still brings some of those Buckeye things and tries to influence it, but uh, we try to do our best to to uh, to to steer it one way or the other and and uh, appreciate it, but you know, kind of make sure that things are things are right and maybe not too Ohio-fied, right? That's right. She uh, <laughs> she's she's learned to work with an expanded schedule of opportunities to to do work. So uh, she pushes pretty hard. She's a talented talented person and uh one of her previous careers was handling at homebound people and i guess i hope i'm not on that list of uh, clients in the very near future so uh she brings a lot of talent and experience to us right right also uh has worked at a cab steakhouse <laughs> as well cab steakhouse you can't get get too far away from the angus business so uh she can probably tell us stories about serving CAB product and, and training and, and customer satisfaction with CAB products. Right. Yeah, and uh, just a, a great addition to uh, How Cattle Company South and, and to the whole operation. Yes. And there's a couple other people that have, that have helped us along the way that, you know, and, and guys that uh, when you were on the board, you, you had to be gone and, and we had to have some people help us out and, and uh, get us through that. And, and some people here recently that, uh, that have really helped you uh, with this, with the cattle operation or helped us with the cattle operation. Well, Andy Kurtz has helped us quite a bit and uh, Mark Haven has helped us and, and uh, girls at the clinic, uh, Haley Smithson and Dawn Kaler have, have been willing to come out and feed cows when when I had to disappear and go to a board meeting or go to other Angus activities. So I appreciate all the help that they've done. You can't uh, can't do this by yourself. And if we get back on the board, why uh, they'll have to step up again. But uh, they've been willing to do that, and and uh, it it takes a team. It's not a one man show. Right. Yeah. It takes us. Uh, takes us all. And. And uh, when when you're gone, we we all have to step up, and and we enjoy that, and uh, hope that uh, hope that we can make that happen again as well. Well, I hope hope the opportunity comes. You've been active in the the state association. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know how many years, but but you've been on the board of directors for a long time in the state association, and and also president in the state association. No, I was kind of in awe of, of those people, and and. Uh, Dwayne Jackson, uh, Cabin Creek Angus was state president. I don't know, 02, 03, 04, and 
he came to me and he said, would you consider doing that? And I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that you would ask, but it, it'd be great. And he said, I, I was there at the junior association in 69. Mm-hmm. And so I um, walked in in, in 05 and was, was president then. Lauren Wilson was president just the year before me. And uh, we're kind of brothers, brothers with different mothers in, in so many things we think alike and want to know each other's opinion and, and have had a ball. And so did that, uh, been on the board of directors, been president of the Southeastern Association in like 09. When I uh, got to be president in 05, why Lou Uli was, was the editor of the Indiana Angus News, and she said, well, would you consider writing an article So, uh, for each edition? And I said, well, yeah, I guess I can do that. And so it's kind of been fun because I dumb enough to think I was I got A's in English and English comp and we had some pretty good teachers at Daleville so um, that's kind of been a labor of love but there's been a whole lot of two o'clock in the mornings when the inspiration <laughs> finally hits that you polish the polish them somewhat and yet in the daylight where you realize well you forgot this did you miss that but uh, people know know my thoughts and and uh, it's not been a uh, a column to slam people it's been a column to encourage and and uh, uh, commiserate with and and uh, have a good time with and so it's it's been fun and, and uh, you write about whatever but you end up coming back to cows and how it involves cattle and cattle people and and it's it's been fun then uh, been on the communications committee since I was involved with the Angus news and we've gone from half page black half half size black and white Indiana English News to a full-page, full-color publication, and now we have a a digital presence, an internet presence. Uh, John Finke got started with his his family emails to the Angus family uh, once a week and then once a month, and then uh, we've gone on from there, so we can get uh, emails of a passing or or news or good news, bad news. within the Angus family, and it sure helped draw us closer together um, as a group and as a as a family. We're just spread out geographically, but uh, Krista Stellwell and Molly have done a great job. Krista's the digital pres- presence, and Molly was there when we went from, from half size to full size and went from black and white to, to color, and so it's been it's been fun. How long have you been on the board of directors? Oh five to twenty so far. Okay, yeah, and, and so many different roles, uh, but and most of them you mentioned, but but so many different roles with that. Yeah, and then the state, the state's hosted what two uh, national junior shows while I've been on the board, and and they take a ton, a ton of work. And Sam Carter was the was the manager one, and Lauren and Kathy Wilson were the managers or the other and uh first time i was director of the day-to-day volunteers and and uh you know that sounds pretty mickey mouse and then you stop and realize we're about we're the only show where the the host the host people have gone out and helped people move all their tack into the barn we've done we've done it twice Mm -hmm. and so the daily volunteers in indiana is a big 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 deal and then when we had it again in 14, why I was in charge of veterinary supply and we took care of that. And the, the daily volunteers did things again. 
Lauren and Kathy came up with the with the tailgate concept in each state um, showcasing their their wares or their claim to fame and, and that that has caught on and, and has gone very very well so that's become a part of each national junior show since then so Indiana's done a lot of big things even though we don't have nearly as many cattle as some states we've we've got a lot of members and uh, we we work at it pretty hard you, you don't stop at the state association you've been a member of the the angus uh board of directors and and i'm sure we could go on for hours and hours about about some of those things but uh it, what made you go from the state to decide you know what i i think i want to be a member of the american angus board of directors i always admired and appreciated dave smith and and kathy watkins and uh i know they they didn't have a million cows but they were involved and informed and um, worked very hard at it. And uh, both of them, both of them were able to be elected. And so I thought, well, you know, when Dave's done, maybe I can. And so, uh, as I say, why we stormed, it was a landslide by the fifth ballot in Louisville in, in 2012, why, why I got in. And uh, I remember that hug you gave me after, we, after it was accomplished. We, uh, we were both pretty happy campers, and so was so was Judy that day, and Emily and, and Brian were there, and it was uh, uh, a memorable and amazing day. Right. So uh, we need we need different backgrounds and areas of knowledge on the board, and it doesn't have to be that everybody's got 500 cows and three bull sales, and we need that represented. But we need we need some people for the veterinarians. We need some financial people, and we've got a lot of financial or or bankers that have been involved in the board and are on the board and are candidates for the board, and we we need that. But then we need people that that look at uh, things from a little bit different angle. And now with uh, disease resistance being discovered and documented and becoming soon will become a marketable trait why i i think it's it's really important that we have a veterinarian or veterinarians on on that board mm -hmm. now when you were on the board the the diseases and and some of those things there there was a lot of things that that happened we went, we went through an awful lot of genetic defects were found uh, some it was started before I got there, but there were some that happened while I was there, and uh, so you had a, a feeling for it. The the wild eye HI trait uh, changed over to a, a hypopigmentation trait, and the crazy thing about it was I remembered the 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 one of the the uh, HI early bulls from from back in the, the mid 70s and I'm sitting here going well that was this cow and this cow and she came from there and Dan Mosier later said well yeah there's been 27 cow 27 animals afflicted with this and 23 of them went back to so and so bull and I didn't know him on a first name basis but I knew his granddaughter mm -hmm. and and had enough history to be able to go back and and know and go back that far and, and be familiar with the issue rather than, well, Hey, that was, that was ancient history. No, that was, that was last week or the week before mm -hmm. it, 
in some ways. Okay. What were some of your some of the things that you enjoyed most about being on the board and and uh, we'll get into some of the different things that you did, but but what were some of the again some of the things that that you most enjoyed? What was learning learning from other people on the board? We had I had a Montana on my my left elbow and and Nebraska on my right, and uh, you you get to be involved with some some successful and some some really really great people. Uh, Arlen Sawyer called me up out of the blue after the election, and I can remember talking to him out here in the yard. I walked around in the yard in the dark for an hour talking to him, and and we'd never much more than ever said hi, and he just wanted to talk and, and get to know each other, and we had a ball, and, and his friendship is one of the great things uh, about being on the board, and, and he's he's gone, but, uh, you know, the idea... Uh, they talked about that he would tell tell family. Said all we've got to do is get better, and the 4-H model about making the best better has kind of always been one of my. You may not say it, but that's how you approach things. That that where we are isn't good enough. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Uh, not to run over people, but just don't be complacent. And and that's the way we need to be as a farm, and as we need to be as a veterinary practice. And as we need to be as a breed association, is, is get better. Don't stand still. And well, you, you learn from people and you learn from staff. There are there are there are, are people in at St. Joe that, that have done great things and accomplished great things and, and uh, you know they they bleed they bleed Angus Angus blood. And and some of those people that have, have made a career out of, of serving the members and and trying to figure out how is it we get better we can sit around and argue about what exactly better is but but and but complacency being an enemy is is uh adopted by an awful lot of people and that's that's where we need to be it's not something you just put in your time and then you go away it's you know how high can how high can we make things happen i uh Yes, one of the things I want to try to figure out how to do is that there is a uh, a machine that, that basketball players use, and you see how high you can reach, and you spin the spin those sticks to see what your vertical jump is. And I I want to make one of those inspirational photographs of of that, and just say how high can you go, or match that. And I haven't figured out the the motto for it, but. Uh, it just you know how high can you go? Can you go that? Can you go as high as I as I've pushed, or can you go higher? And uh, one of these days I'm going to get that uh, photograph worked out and work the caption. But but that's how how the breed needs to operate, and how the board needs to operate, and how each of us need to operate. While you were on the board, what what were some of the committees and things that that you were involved with, and and some of the some of the bigger decisions that that you were involved with? Well, I was on um, AGI or Angus Genetics Inc. when when we hired Dan Mosier, and that was uh, interesting to interview, and uh, interesting to get to know him, and uh, you know you look back and think, well, we did it right. And we got a good one. He accomplished a whole lot. Uh, Q 
Kelly Kelly's done great things, and and uh, Dr. Miller has come and gone um, after I was gone. Then Kelly does a great job, and and Duck Lou is is there now, and he's they're doing great things. They're doing great things, and I was on AGI and I was on API. We we accomplished a lot of things there, and and uh, I think we were leading the industry. And you learn learn things, and and uh, some of the predictions about what would happen in media have have come true. Um, the the people in in it's Angus Media now instead of Angus Productions Inc. But uh, we're we're world class, and and uh, it's because of hard work and and vision and talent. And so working with with uh, API then Angus Media now. Um, is great. Got I was never on uh, certified Angus beef board, but our orientation uh, right after we were elected was was started at at uh, CAB, and then uh, we got to sit in on the CAB meeting. You think about the Angus board, really. There's entities. There's there's boards within a, a board, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a Angus production API or Angus Media now. And uh, Angus Genetics Inc., the Angus Foundation, Certified Angus Beef, and uh, and then the Angus and and then the Angus Association. So um, you have several entities under the heading of the Angus American Angus Association, and each of those made up with different boards, um, different different leadership, and you have to think. Um, in that in that vein as far as you know uh, genetics or or uh, foundation and fundraising and and scholarships and research and and those things so there's lots and lots of areas to be involved with the angus foundation uh, is is for education and 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 research and and um the research there are some research projects that are funded by the foundation and uh it was that that board used to just be made up of, of pretty much the officers of the board and the first first meeting i was two i said well can i sit in and listen and and there were i don't know projects on fescue and and i've forgotten all the subjects now but uh, I thought there's ought to be a little more scientific bent to who gets to make the decisions. Um, and so evidently I, I can't document now, but that's, that's been changed somewhat since I've been, been off the board in that they have a, a committee with a little bit different makeup than just senior officers to, to choose which project will and will not be funded. And I think we need to work harder to get um, solicit projects or make make researchers aware that uh, we're out here and 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 we have some some resources that we are willing to to dedicate to accomplishing some things in in research. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if whoever gets to be on that board is it's it's important, but. Um, 
there's research that, that can be done. We sure don't know everything and we need to do a lot more. And, and uh, one of the things that you remember that people say, and, and one of them, one of the things that was uttered in the boardroom is, well, we don't have all the good ideas, but we're one of the few people that, that have, have resources to, to be able to fund more of those ideas than, than some others. And that's not a statement of arrogance, that's a statement of, of satisfaction and, and uh, confidence. And no, we don't, we don't throw money around, but we don't have to walk away from good ideas because we do not have the finances, because, because we do. We've got some funds. We've had people, generous donors in the past, and, and uh, uh, Rich Wilson in his time did a great job of, of uh, guiding the investments. So we have a, a sizable nest egg to work with. It doesn't mean it should be squandered, but um, there's a lot of, of resources that we can use. Right. Yeah, and, and you being a part of that and, um, and, and different things that, that you did on the board. And, and uh, I guess if you could tell us, uh, and probably not something we need to expand on a whole lot, but, but tell us some of the things that you did. Because, man, when you were on the board, that took time commitment. That took put a lot of load on a lot of us <laughs> because <laughs> people staying home and minding the store yeah they were right. they were busy we had we had uh, two or three staffing changes that we had to to go uh, there were some some uh, challenges and you know what do we do about about this uh, opportunity and this headache and uh, there were some some suits about well who owns your DNA information and um, what do we do about this genetic defect? And uh, it was work. And then I guess you think back, one of the things that, that maybe I'm the only one to remember it this way, but, but we were talking about that, you know, dollar B is only good for the, the people from, from weaning on. It's, it's a feedlot value. It's not, it's not a cow value. And, you know, okay, how we do, how do we de-emphasize it? And I said, well, all the financial people say, well, you got to pay attention to the bottom line. And which number is most important on the bottom line? That's the one over to the the right. Okay, where do we put dollar B in all of our catalogs on pedigree and animal information? Boom, bottom line, clear over to the right. So if we're going to de-emphasize it. Dollar B shouldn't be on that corner. Poof, it's gone. So I'm not sure I'm the only one that, that saw it that way or thought of it, but I sure mentioned it in the boardroom one time that, that you know, it's the bottom line and it's the most important number on the bottom line is the one over clear on the right side. And that's where we have dollar B. And so dollar B is not over there anymore. So um, I guess I'm happy for that. And then we used to get 48 pages of, of financial reports every every month, and and you can look and dig and dig and look. And um, I never even had high school accounting. I couldn't I couldn't get it fit into my schedule. So when I got to Purdue and balance sheets and all that econ classes, why I I picked up some, but um, 48 pages could put you to sleep in the financial report. So um, I asked. Rich Wilson, I said, is there a way we can summarize this? 
He said, well, yeah. So when we came out with one page, <laughs> and it had it had uh, American Angus Association and, and the total numbers on on uh, income and outgo and how we'd done that month, and then all the entities, and then it would total them all up. And that was the front sheet, and that's what I asked for. And boom, it was on there from then on while I was there. I haven't seen any one of those monthly 48-page re reports since I left, but um, it was there. Well, it, it showed in black and white about how good or how bad we were. And it was uh, a little unnerving, or, or it made you cautious when you saw some of the numbers. But uh, I'm not a financial guy. I'm not an accountant. But uh, I kind of comprehend income and outgo and, and uh, nest egg. And so the getting the dollar B off the corner and getting a, a financial summary that was quick and easy and, and uh, really, really visible, I guess, are two of the things that I, I think I was involved in accomplishing. And like I said, it was it was a lot of work, and and you were gone quite a bit, and um, different things like that. But uh, but but I know you enjoyed it, and you loved it, and and we enjoyed it and loved it, and and you you ate it, you slept it, you breathed it. Uh, you you I just remember you tell me you you couldn't even you you're uh, you got an animal open on the table, and you're doing surgery, and your your head's in St. Joe. Yeah, and it's still, this campaign has, has done it again. Uh, it just it just excites you, and uh, it just excites you and invigorates you, and and uh, you're looking beyond just that day. Uh, got to go to Beef Improvement Federation. I always wanted to go from the veterinary standpoint, but we used to have to do all the blood testing on hogs in the summer in June and 82 bazillion health papers and <laughs> and and you just no way in the world you could get a, get away in june well the, when uh, was elected to the board they said well we will pay for you to go you and your spouse and and that time why they dropped the the blood testing requirement on pigs and then they dropped the health paper requirement on all the all the county cattle and the county animals so june opened up and i went to bif uh, three times on the association and I don't know, four times on my own dime and uh, fabulous meeting. And, and uh, if you like cows and you like science and you like people, why it's a, it's an amazing experience. And I got to, got to do that. Um, they expect the board to attend the certified Angus beef conference and uh, CAB hosts, um, retailers and, and uh, restaurateurs and all kinds of people that are involved with the CAB story and CAB marketing. And uh, they don't hold them at the hotel six, at the Motel 6. Those are, are nice places. And uh, you meet people from all over the world. And, and they want <laughs> you wear your, your Western hat in to identify you as a, as a cattleman. And they want to know your story, and, and you can learn some fabulous things from them. Uh, amazing, amazing stories. And it, it uh, broadens you out, and, and you, learn, you learn a lot of things about a lot of people. And so the, being on the board 
you trade you trade your work and your time for the access to those experiences and so it's a it's a good trade and you learn you learn lots of things and and meet lots of people and it's uh it's inspiring even uh, had a little tv time there for for being on the board oh the angus deal right yeah um they wanted to do that and so they came out here and it was colder than cold it was like 11 and you're trying to not be not be in your hood and park and and it and the insulated coveralls and and uh Col Derek, I want to say Derek Collins was was here and came and did it, and we we staged it in the barn, and then we had cows out running in the snow, and and uh, scary part was it was December. We normally have about 30 cows here in that place, and at that point in time we had six steers that looked like a um, neighborhood city farmer, and it was that was the only thing I regretted about that show. But the picture of the cows that the folks running in the snow was great, and. Uh, um, he edited it and put it together, and it was great. And there's, I don't know, it's been seen 5,000 times or something. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was fun. Right. And then you look at the other uh, I Am Angus productions and the, the one uh, Christmas one with, in Montana was amazing. And then the one fellow's out there chopping ice, and it looks like zero. And, yeah, this was April the 20-whatever, and someplace in the mountains and you thought at the end of April and he's still chopping ice and it's it's a Angus family is in a lot of places right yeah so uh, a lot of a lot of great things from from being a, a past board member and and so so you've been off the board a couple years and right there right. new new issues arise new things arise this this thing just does not stop uh, no, it's gone. What What are some of those that that you followed and, and you've stayed with that 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 you think could be new issues uh, with with a new board and and with the board? So, you know, some of those things that that we could talk about. Well, um, maternal. They started maternal plus. They said we can't have uh, any kind of longevity EPDs without whole herd without enough whole herd reporting and knowing why those cows left and why. So there was maternal plus. And I can remember sitting in board meetings and and uh, the wives were upset. I, I do, do our cattle papers. My, my wife, Judy, does not. I do them. So I knew the headaches about it. Well, one fellow said, we've got a list of 10,000 cows and we're supposed to find, remember why they left? And and the the wives were the ones that that explained some of the difficulties in the enrollment process, and so they got it changed. But but I was involved in that maternal plus, and now and now they've struggled and struggled and struggled to get enough numbers in maternal plus. Well, now they're they've got a a voluntary whole herd reporting uh, on AHIR. They've they've introduced it, or it's ready to be rolled out. And I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but I'm anxious to see if they can make it fly. And uh, it needs to. The other breeds have got longevity indexes, and, and we don't. So maternal plus and the alteration thereof and the whole herd reporting instead of cherry picking um, is an, an issue that's, that's current. Um, we talked about genetic 
defects back uh, back when I was involved, and now we've we've gone to these reproductive haplotypes, and we found some evidently have found some areas and data to show that there's a genetic problems that are causing uh, loss of embryos. We used to think that when we had a cow come up open, why she never conceived. And the longer we go, we realize that, yes, she did conceive, but we just lost a lot of embryos. The, the embryo was non-viable genetically, so it was canceled out. It was lethal. And so had a, a friend tell me the other day they had 50 open, open straight-bred cows, and their F1s, there wasn't an open animal in the bunch. Well, it wasn't a difference in bull power. It was a difference in, in that, that embryo. And so um, there was a haplotype discussion uh, on, on the other night, a production from, uh, from AGI. And, and I, I watched it and, and learned a lot, but there's still a lot to go. And they, the haplotypes for uh, reproductive problems and then in the September board meeting, they talked about accredited for foot scoring, and they want to work with Australia. Australia, everybody scoring their own cattle, there's not a lot of consistency, and to be able to make real progress, our, our work's got to be much more consistent. Our scoring needs to be more consistent. So um, evidently the board is discussing how to accomplish that and how to make that work. And, and on our, our longevity issues, why there was, I see notes on a bull disposal code alteration. So um, I normally thought about the cows, how long did, why did the cow leave? Did she come up open? Did she have bad feet? Was there another issue or, or, or what, why was she uh, let go? So now they're, they're dealing with some bull disposal code issues. And then the, the Angus Link business is, is really taking off and we're figuring out how to verify the genetic value and of, of Angus, registered Angus sired feeder cattle. Mm -hmm. So now we have, have, uh, we've, have denoted a director of veri verification services and a director of commercial industry relations. And uh, when I was there, why the, commercial relations uh, office was, was the first thing that you ran into when you came in the front door. And I thought, well, that, that borders on brilliance to, uh, to do that, have Johnette or whoever would be in that, in that spot be the first thing that people kind of see when they walk into the door. Mm -hmm. So the Angus Link uh, business, the, the verification of, of um, background and procedures on on the Angus sired feeder calves is a tremendous area of growth. So I'm I'm sure that that will be a, an area that we'll spend a lot of time on, or that the new board will continue to spend a lot of time on. What else do you see as as being some some uh, issues or or strengths or things to to expand on? Well, we talked some, it's always been, we, we, we talked about the, the headline about uh, their digital imaging so we can identify cows. And, you know, we've got digital Im imaging for people to pick out 
one person out of a thousand or a hundred thousand based on the shape of their face. Well, now they're they're practicing and doing it on cows. And I've I've always thought, why can't we go out and and image a bunch of, of Pathfinder cows? Or or if we don't do Pathfinders, let's go out and and image computer image so they can do measurements that, that the human eye can't comprehend. On let's go let's go do some genomically superior animals and or some gen production superior animals and see if we can find some physical correlations to that increased productivity or increased fertility. People that, that are involved, heavily involved in, in feed efficiency evaluation say that you can't see feed efficiency in, in animals. You can't look through a group and say, well, this one is and this one isn't. Well, okay. I won't argue with you, but can a computer see see something that you can't see? And I I think that you know computer imaging um, would sure be a something that could be investigated to see if if those um, extra productive animals will show you something or have a similar physical similarities that we've not figured out. To me, that would be fascinating. The Jan Bonsma was a South African animal scientist back in the 50s and 60s, and there's a Bonsma group on Facebook talking about the dewlap flap and and slope from hooks to pins and and unecks and shoulders higher than the spine and and all kinds of physical characteristics that he attributed to fertile cows. Well, are there other things that we can, or a computer can see? And so I think that imaging to me is, is fascinating. And I think that's, but that, that may not happen. And that's just one of my dreams to see if we could, if we could do that. We talked a little before we got started, some things, some other things like disease resistance. Well, yeah, we, we, I lost track of what we said when. Uh, but genetic disease resistance is is really becoming uh, is is on the near horizon. The dairy people are doing it tremendously, and uh, genomic proof of, of disease resistance. I'd read an article the other day talking about one they'd found a gene that altered the ability of of pneumonia bacteria to adhere to lung cells, and um, it made those cattle more resistant to pneumonias from from bacterial causes. Well, we'll find more and more of those things as, as we go along. And then we'll end up having data to say, well, hey, these cattle are, are resistant and we may not be able to go back to the to the to the what the gene did to cause less uh, reproductive problems or less respiratory issues. Um, so it'll be fascinating whether we whether we find the data based on on numbers and and treatment trends, or we find the the defect or the trait is is that non-adherence of the um, ability to resist the adherence of that bacteria to to lung cells. Which way we'll we'll make the discoveries? I don't know, but um, both of them will be involved in in producing better cattle. Uh, 
one fellow said, do you think we can we can sell a bull because his calves will be heavier at weaning or at slaughter or marble better? Just think about if you could sell a bull and say, well, his calves would have 10% less respiratory problems in the feedlot. So that would be real value, and that would be uh, tremendously easy to, to market. You you don't want to treat cattle. You want to you want to prevent the diseases in in cattle. And um, there's some numbers that say that with all of our vaccine capabilities, we have not made nearly as much as improvement in in respiratory disease rates as as we had hoped or we had thought. So I've been at this for 40. 47 years and we're still seeing cattle pneumonia and we've vaccinated and we've done this and we've vaccinated and we've done that and we still see more sick cattle than than we would like to and uh, more sick cattle than we can afford if we can cut that down it'll be it would be really important we uh, talked about things that that we've done and talked about well pap scores um Pulmonary arterial pressure and and uh, high high pulmonary arterial pressure cattle can't stand can't uh, survive or thrive at high altitudes, and that was just mentioned when I was on the board and uh, I said well I think it's pretty important and the other part of that that's important is even when you're not at at five or six or seven or ten thousand feet and there's not many ten thousand feet but but the eight or nine thousand feet cattle is that those cattle come down to, to feedlots at one or 2,000 and, and we're seeing sudden death in cattle just ready to, to slaughter. And we didn't understand why or what was going on, but, but they were tying that to, to bad pap score cattle were more likely to, to be involved in this sudden death syndrome in, in feedlots. And so pap scores, have, we've, we've got a pap EPD now. Based, we were able to harvest some numbers and and uh, get some access to some data banks that uh, had decades of, of PAP scores. Uh, the uh, Tim Holt and then people at Colorado State that are are the gurus of, of PAP scoring. Uh, I got to listen to them to them speak at Denver, and uh, had a, a meeting with the board and and. Uh, AI organizations and, and talked, and it was a it was a learning experience, as they say. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the PAP scores um, are an important important part. Why they come up with some other wrinkles on the on the sudden death um, cattle now, but it's not as tightly adhered to the PAP scores as is what we questioned initially. But PAP scores are still important. Right. What do you think in in today's world that the uh, new board is going to have to do with marketing? Well, I think in some ways I think we've got to decide who and what we are. We've spent we've spent an awful lot of time trying to turn a, mar- a maternal breed into a, a terminal breed. We've changed the whole beef industry. Marbling is going up and up and up and up, and we've got a lot more prime cattle produced and a lot more choice cattle produced and a lot less select cattle produced and and so we've changed the whole industry has changed but but we have not um, worked as hard on the maternal side of the Angus cow Uh, numbers of our pathfinder cows are falling Uh, we've got to figure out a definition of what is a successful cow 
and you've seen the cartoons about well she had had three calves and one of them one of them had a was 110 percent index so isn't she wonderful and then she was open the next year and we then we decided to flush her or the or the cow that had calves 10 years in a row and her indexes were 102. Well, now who's the important cow who's the one that 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 created the most income for her owner and so we've got to figure out what's what's important and and work at, at that a little bit um, consistency and and fertility are are important our heifer pregnancy um, number we've had there for a long time but everybody wants to talk about yearling weight and weaning weight and 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 birth weight and marbling and and we've we've kind of forgotten some other things and so uh, are we going to be the maternal breed and 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 work a bit harder on that and not to not to ignore marbling but we've we've accomplished an awful lot with that there have been people who've gotten an awful lot of premiums made made money on on premiums from the extra high quality carcasses but uh, I think we've we've got to work on on fertility and consistency and longevity. Agree. And they're arguing about docility, and you know nothing's ever simple. Mm-hmm. Um, the the guys in the West they need they have a lot more predator pressure, so they need cows that are a little have a lot more edge to them than than what we do in many places here in the Midwest. And uh, um, a there's a lot more beginners involved with cattle and b there's a lot more 70 year old guys like me involved with cattle that may not be as quite as quick on our feet as we used to be and c we got a lot of alleys that are out there that we don't want hurt with their cattle so so docility is becoming more and more important but then if you ride the pendulum too far to the other extreme uh, very respected angus veterinarian in the carolinas told me uh, last year uh, Reno that that he said we're to the point now we're seeing some of these ultra docility bulls three generations of that and they forget to be bulls mm-hmm. and so um, you know nothing nothing is simple it's not a computer game you can't just have the highest tier and the highest tier and and consider yourself a success so I've not heard the docility issue mentioned anyplace else as far as over docility and and non uh, breeding aggressiveness, but it's something that if if people are beginning to talk about it, we've got to pay a little bit of attention to. We do have the um, annual meeting coming up, and you were part of of changing the annual meeting. Uh, let's let's talk about that just a minute, and then we'll get into something else illustration of the value of, of somebody that's been on the, the board before the first time first couple times you walk in you're kind of uh, overwhelmed there are times that, that the associate the the board pushes or encourages the the employees and then there are times that the employees encourage and and move the board and the two examples I thought of was that um, we were talking about if if a, when a new bull comes into service when his first calves hit the ground you could record his his birth weights and submit them and before why it they didn't were not submitted until they were weaned 
And so there was a five, six, seven month lag time between birth, birth weights and weaning weights. And we said, well, hey, if we could get these birth weights turned in, these new bulls would have a proof six months earlier. When we've got spring and fall breeding season, why you'd have him lined up for the next breeding season rather than waiting, waiting and waiting to weaning and then turning them in. And uh, uh, staff said, well, do you realize that'd take a fair amount of work? And we said, yeah, but it might really be worth it. So that, that project was started. And then on the flip side, we came back from lunch one meeting and they handed out a sheet of paper and it said, what about having a, a freestanding Angus convention, not tied in with the show? Could we make it work? We'd have a lot more time for educational sessions and the annual meeting and, and there would be many advantages and we could, we could even include the tour with it. Or at, at that time there was the annual, annual Angus national tour and it was a big, big deal. And a lot of people really liked it. And so we sat there and thought, well, no, people aren't going to want to spend another weekend and make another cross country trip. No, I don't really think it would fly. And then well, but we could do this and we could do this. And pretty soon they thought, yeah, maybe, maybe it'd be worth a try. So in that case, why the, the staff came up with an idea and sold it to the board and the board the board signed on and in the previous case about turning in birth weights before winning weights and not waiting until winning weights were done why that case why the board the board kind of encouraged the staff to move in a new direction and and that's the value to me of, of a little bit of, of seniority or, or uh, as, as some people used to say well we need to reelect the incumbents um, but the incumbents, if you've been around the block a time or two, you, you feel those things and, and can do a better job at that than you can the first day you walk in. Uh, all the political ads that we're tired of hearing this week, this month, why one fellow said, well, I won't be an expert when I walk in. And this was a financial issues on a public board here in Indiana. And I thought, you know, that's that's pretty much wise. If you're willing to admit, I'm not going to be an expert when I walk in. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a while to become informed and to become aware. And so um, the idea of, of helping, encouraging staff and, and staff encouraging you is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. But but day one, you're not you're not comfortable enough to say, well, hey, what about? Because you're just unaware of the issues. Mm -hmm. um, or or not unaware, but you're not adequately informed or sufficiently informed to help guide or change uh, the situation. Mm -hmm. um, we had a orientation when uh, Don Schiefelbein and I were elected, and uh, Chris Sankey was in on in on that. Um, and now they've got they've still got even further orientations, but. We have a, a meeting uh, the Saturday evening before the Sunday with the, when the annual meeting starts and Sunday afternoon when we give our, our speeches. And uh, we've got 11, 11 candidates. 11 candidates times 10 minutes is uh, just under two hours. Mm -hmm. So people are going to get tired of, of listening and, and uh, maybe get tired of talking. So I, 
I appreciate the opportunity to be on here tonight, and I don't a lot of things that you want to say, um, and you can't get them all said in 10 minutes, and a lot of things if you're not an accomplished public speaker, which is where I am, why uh, you get hide, you hide behind that podium. And uh, I promised myself I'm not going to do it this time, and I'm going to bring out a doctor's bag, and we'll talk about some things that should be in that bag if you're going to be in the boardroom. So um, got 10 minutes to do that, and we'll, we'll go with that. What are some of the things that, that you've done leading up to this that, that they could see if they're, if they're delegates or they're alternates? Uh, what are some of those things that you want to highlight just uh, a little? Well, just, just experience in a different perspective. Uh, we need people that, that have lots of cattle and sell lots of cattle, but we also need people that the, well, the majority of Angus, Angus members register less than 10 calves a year. And how they look at things is drastically different than how the people that register 500 calves a year are. And and all sides need to be to be represented. And and you and I are at, at what 70, which is small by by Nebraska standards, but it's pretty big by by some other places. Mm-hmm. So again, we need people clear across that uh, that spectrum. And, and young and old, and, and, you know, do we have cows? Got people in, in Montana that those cows never even see hay, let alone let alone grain. And then we've got people back here that, that feed, feed grain every day of the year. Mm-hmm. So, so the Angus, uh, Angus family is, is pretty wide. Right. What do you think you can bring to the board most? Disease experience, some genetic experience some organizational experience, um, some historic perspective, um, and an appreciation of the uh, significance of our actions. Um, you're, you're not, this isn't, isn't a game. You're playing, with, you're playing with the rent money. You're playing with the, with the farm payment. You're dealing with, with the, the college college tuition money, you're dealing with retirement money. So these are, are, are major things that you're in, involved with. It's not, it's not a game. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know much, much better way to, to kind of wrap this up uh, than that. Uh, but I want to, want to encourage people to, uh, especially if you're a, if you're a voting delegate, uh, they should have gotten in the mail your postcard they should have also yes. gotten in the mail your letter, uh, and 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 if, if if I can add anything to this, uh, it, the the letter came out of one of one of the stories that you wrote for the Indiana Angus News. The the whole family gets chills uh, by that letter, and and so I I just it, it, if I can can do anything for this, so I I want to encourage people to read that, uh, and and. Uh, add a little more perspective to where you came from, uh, where we came from, and and some of the things that that you hold true about about little things matter and and how they do. Uh, uh, just a, a a neat story, and uh, go watch the YouTube, uh, the I am Angus YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube, I am Angus Phil Howe. Uh, it's on there as well, and um, and that just. Uh, they can call you, right? 
yes, they can they can call. I'd be glad to glad to talk Angus any any day, any time. I'm a lot better at midnight than I am at six in the morning. But then that's that's my problem. But then there's a lot of country west of us, so that's that's easier for them. Um, we've you you can't you can't run against the board and you can't run against your um, your other candidates. There, we are blessed with a a wide variety of talents and experience and age and perspectives. And um, I guess one thing I want to say is each of you are elected because because people trusted you. They didn't they didn't hire an empty suit. They didn't um, they didn't ask you to just represent somebody else. They asked you to represent you and and them. It's not uh, if you go read the stories about some of the games that used to go on about proxy voting and and don't don't do that. Make your own decision is all I can ask. Um, but there's a lot of good people. It'll be it'll be a great board. Whoever are the the five successful candidates out of the eleven uh, people that have chosen to run, and it uh, it's a commitment to spend time and money and effort and sleepless nights trying to to put together a, a campaign and an idea and and then uh, if you are fortunate enough or chosen to be elected, why well, it it's work. It's not a game. It's not a popularity contest. It's work, but um, been there, done that, and and would would honestly be very glad to have the opportunity again. But uh, if I'm I'm not chosen, I'm sure that there will be five great people that will go onto the board. So uh, Angus Association is in good hands. I uh, um, would be be great to work with with Mark and and uh, the people that have have come and. Have, People, a lot of the lot of new faces since I was there, but uh, we've we've done well, and we will continue to do well. And and I just hope to be involved in the guidance of, of how to get to how to get to to getting better. So thank you, Andy. Thank you. This is a whole lot more than the ten minutes we'll get to be behind the podium at Kansas City, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people are there and how well the virtual. Uh, meeting virtual portion of the meeting works right yeah that will be a, a big change a uh, huge change uh, this time because there is a virtual option and virtual voting and uh, virtual things you can uh, be there without being there uh, i know we we uh, plan to be there if at all possible and and things don't change here uh, in the next week or so and uh, look forward to uh Going, going to Kansas City for the 137th convention of the delegates, and uh, again now uh, changing from used used to I used to have to drive 45 minutes to go, uh, and and uh, so now now since you guys went and changed that, why now we get to go everywhere, which is fine, but uh, uh, very interesting. So uh, again, Dad, uh, been looking forward to this, and and really appreciate uh, really appreciate you uh, taking time out, uh, even though it is. Uh, <laughs> if if you know us it is getting late in the hour uh so uh but uh, uh enjoyed it and and i want to encourage anybody that's listening to to talk to delegates if you're not a delegate talk to alternates if you're not an alternate uh, and and uh, visit with these guys and and talk to them and and uh, as as dad said make your decision and, and make your vote and um vote vote for uh, who you feel will be the best candidate and 
and uh, if if we can uh, encourage you to to vote for Dad, why why that's great, uh, and we would be absolutely honored to uh, have him on the board again and and uh, be part of that. So, Dad, again, I uh, want to thank you very much uh, for coming with me and and being on uh, uh, before the bid podcast. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Andy. All right, and we want to thank you for listening to another edition of Before the Bid. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Before the Bid. For more information and to learn more about upcoming podcasts and sales, visit us at beforethebid.podbeam.com or Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram pages. For information on being a guest on Before the Bid, please email us at beforethebid at gmail.com or one of our social media pages. Remember, that's beforethebid at gmail.com. Happy sales to you, and we will talk to you next time on Before the Bid.